0: Coming up on this episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy.
1: When you go into the medical literature in autoimmunity related to lupus, the Epstein-Barr virus is associated with seven different autoimmune conditions. Multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus,
0: type one diabetes, Mm -hmm. ulcerative colitis. Mm. Welcome to The Doctor's Pharmacy. I'm Dr. Mark Hyman and that's pharmacy with an F. F F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, a place for conversations that matter. And if you suffer from autoimmune disease, if you've had lupus, this conversation is going to matter to you. Or if you know anybody who's got these problems because they affect 80 million Americans, one type or another, which is more people than have heart disease, cancer, and diabetes combined. So it's a big problem and has very poor answers with traditional medicine. And we have today with us my colleague at the Ultra Wellness Center, Dr. Todd Lapine, who's an incredible physician. He's one of the leaders in functional medicine, teaches all over the world. He graduated from Dartmouth Medical School. He's been working with me for, I don't know, God, now 25 years together. We've been on this road. He looks the same as the day I met him. I don't know how he does it. He doesn't have one gray hair on his head. <laughs> and and uh, he is, is going to talk to us today about a patient of his with uh, lupus who had autoimmune disease that is uh, a very common problem with very bad outcomes It can lead to Brain issues, kidney failure, lung issues, joint issues. It's a really horrible problem. So, Todd, tell us what is the uh, lupus and what is the traditional approach in medicine to to this problem?
1: All right. So lupus actually comes from the Latin word meaning wolf. Mm. And typically people with classic lupus have, um, uh, will get a facial rash. It's called the malar rash. Uh, It's like a butterfly rash, and um, over time, they can actually they they sort of they say that you develop like -like, wolf-like
0: appearance. Yeah, their their cheeks get all red. All red, yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly, and that's uh, due to photosensitivity. And uh, so, lupus is one of those conditions which we see a lot. Uh, Interestingly, it's about nine times more prevalent in women. Mm -hmm. So that raises the question: Well, what's the difference between women and men? And why are women I'm still trying to figure that out? well I, I actually, I think I actually, I actually think I have a, I have an a, a insight into that. Uh, it's really quite interesting. Uh, how and then, men and women are different. Uh, yeah, how men and women are different. Right, right. And then the other thing that is also interesting is that uh, we traditionally treat it with you know medications like steroids, methotrexate, plaquenil, uh, mm. those kinds of things, which mm. all have their you know significant side effects, mm. um, and. In my opinion,
0: one of the... the big... These are powerful immune-suppressing drugs, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. they even use biological agents... Biologics. Which, ...which really shut off your immune system. And they, they can work, but they're often uh, fraught with danger, including the risk of cancer and overwhelming infection if you get a bad infection. So right. they're not... They're they're very expensive, up to 50 grand a year per
1: yeah. per person. Yeah. And then also, to, you know, one of the things that I always used to... Um, uh, it was intriguing to me uh, when I was... Uh, Doing my training was drug-induced lupus because mm. we were taught that lupus is an autoimmune condition, yeah. but there is a condition called drug-induced lupus. So mm. then always raised my question: Well, what's what, how is a drug causing lupus? And what we see is that in uh, I think one of the uh, major drugs was an older drug called procainamide. I don't know if I remember using that. Yeah. A, it was an antiarrhythmic. Yeah, and in certain patients who got procainamide, they would develop lupus looks just like, you know, what we call lupus uh, SLE, uh, systemic lupus erythematosus. And that always fascinated me that a drug would be triggering this. And when I actually went down that sort of rabbit hole, what we find out is that a procainamide can actually damage DNA. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's, it's probably theorized that, that um, some c- types of things like drugs or stealth infections like viruses. Uh, may trigger uh, the body and cause some uh, damage in the DNA. And when we test for lupus, I mean, some of the tests that are are double-stranded DNA antibodies. The traditional blood tests look at you know, what
0: what are the autoimmune antibodies. That
1: yeah, we- and, and it's interesting because there's a whole bunch of different markers that are, are used uh, in the diagnosis of autoimmune conditions. You have autoimmune panels, like the traditional one is ANA, the anti-nuclear antigen. Uh, typically in patients who have lupus that's positive and then you can look for other other biomarkers like double-stranded uh dna and and such
0: and the dna can be positive in many many people even if they don't have lupus and there's this whole phenomenon of pre-autoimmune disease where you're starting to have these autoimmune antibodies but you don't really have a lot of symptoms yet right and and that's like pre-diabetes it's like pre-autoimmune disease exactly and i I always
1: tell my patients that's like when the check engine light comes on in your car exactly if if you you ignore that you're gonna get you know smoke coming out of the hood soon which which
0: traditionally medicine ignores it to-
1: right? totally if ignores. you don't
0: meet these five criteria for this diagnosis then you don't have it and we can't treat you right <laughs> it's like and the patient I had who came with blood sugar of 120 I said Jesus doctor checked that out he's like oh yeah I said what's happening what do you recommend he says well he said I should watch it until it's 126 and then he'll give me treatment for diabetes <laughs> <laughs> isn't that, is that, isn't that crazy yeah it's yeah. Well,
1: we'll, we'll wait till the horse is on the bar and then we'll try to corral it yeah yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but uh, I, I guess, you know, when you, when you look at uh, how many people do have uh, conditions that are, you know, even subclinical hypothyroidism, there's a lot of things that if you look early enough, you'll it's a lot easier to treat them when you catch them early. You know, if you're starting to have early cognitive decline, Alzheimer's uh, is a lot easier to uh, treat when you catch it early. Diabetes uh, is a lot easier. Heart disease, autoimmune conditions.
0: So, preemptive, uh, personalized medicine is the way to go. That's um, what we do at, at the Ultra Wellness Center here yeah. functional medicine. So, yeah. so this patient had had this condition that was treated by traditional medicine. Was she on a bunch of drugs. Um, she actually came in, um, had
1: done courses of uh, primarily Plaquenil and prednisone, hmm. uh, and she was actually pretty proactive uh, in uh, in her uh, uh, sort of self care.
0: Um, if, if and Plaquenil, right. by the way, for those listening, is the same as hydroxychloroquine that they're using for COVID nineteen. <laughs> right, and and we also realize that Plaquenil is actually an antimicrobial.
1: Yeah, right? it's used for malaria. Mm-hmm. That's the original use for it. But they found somebody. Somebody must have. Somebody must have had malaria, and then developed lupus. And you know, they said, "Hey, this is working." So it's you know, that's sort of like how they sort of discover other that. uses for uh, uh, medications. Um, so, but this uh, particular, uh, she was uh, actually involved in the healthcare field. I think she was a, a therapist, uh, if I recall uh, properly. And uh, so she had done a lot of stuff on her own. The big thing with her is that, and she told me this, that she felt that her lupus was actually triggered by stress. Mm-hmm. She had a, a son who had some medical issues and um, was having issues both uh, with uh, you know, dealing with a teenager who was had some illness. And uh, that sort of tripped it over. And oftentimes, in a, if I take the history of patients who develop an autoimmune condition, it's oftentimes followed by a period of chronic stress uh, that's unrelenting. It's mm-hmm. a very, very common thing.
0: And well, let's talk about stress for a minute because, you know, my thinking about stress is it sort of sets the table for other things to sort of take over. So. Yeah. It doesn't cause Not things. in and of itself. It, it, may, it may cause some illnesses for some people, but it, it, for the most time, it exacerbates whatever's going on. So if you're stressed, your immune system's suppressed, you're going to get more inflammation. Yep. And then if you have underlying issues like this woman did, it, they're going to come out. Absolutely. So, so tell us how you approach this from a functional medicine perspective. How do we think about autoimmune disease in general from a functional medicine perspective and lupus? In particular? Well, when I, when I see a patient who has lupus,
1: I mean I go down sort of the checklist, so I, I look at, okay, do they have sensitivity to gluten? The other thing which I find in a lot of lupus patients is Epstein-Barr virus. So Epstein-Barr virus is the virus that causes mono, and mono stands for mononucleosis because the virus infects your white blood cells. Mm. Um, and the thing about Epstein-Barr virus is it's very common, about 70, 80% of the population has it. And most of the time, the immune system will clear it. And it's a herpes-class virus, just like a cold sore. And once you get a herpes uh, cold sore, that virus stays in your body all the time. Most of the time, the immune system keeps it in check but there are certain individuals where the virus will reactivate, and the herpes
0: virus will come out, or the mono can actually reactivate. So, a cold sore in your lip is basically a herpes virus. Herpes, herpes and virus. it doesn't come out all the time. It comes out under stress. Under it's stress, cold weather, exactly. emotional stress, too much sunlight, getting a cold, sunlight. So, it's sort of a latent virus. We all live with hundreds of viruses in us. Yep. When we're stressed, it allows those viruses to. Emerge exactly, right? and so this is what happened yeah. with this patient. So. Yeah,
1: and and and, and so I've, I've I I always like to uh, go down uh, and ask the question. So why is this? What's the, you know like the, why do women have lupus more than men? Well, that's functional medicines. Why why why? Right, and I then and then, and then and uh, then interestingly, when you go into the medical literature in autoimmunity related to lupus, the Epstein Barr virus is associated with seven different autoimmune conditions: multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus. Type one diabetes, mm-hmm. ulcerative colitis. Mm. So what what happens is the the virus, um, in some cases, uh, patients will uh, reactivate, and it causes a stimulation of the immune system, and then the immune system will then start reacting to it. And then, interestingly, I've always uh, uh, been curious about photosensitivity. Like, why why, do, why does photosensitivity happen? In patients who have lupus, what, what what's going on there? Why why is that? When they get sunlight, uh, uh, is, is it affecting them? And what I found out in the in the literature is that the uh, virus uh, causes the body to produce more interferon gamma. And interferon gamma is our body's uh, one of the uh, uh, cytokines uh, that that help our bodies to fight off viruses. And when we have high levels of this interferon gamma, it sensitizes the body to sunlight. So that's why you get that that sort of lupus-like mm. photosensitivity, especially with exposure to uh, to sunlight. Um, and interferon
0: is one of the treatments we're looking at for fighting COVID nineteen. Yes. So they have
1: what they do is they have an overabundance, and it may be a genetic predisposition. There may be some single nucleotide polymorphisms mm. that certain lupus mm. patients have, and they produce lots of interferon mm. gamma. And, and and that and that actually um, gets involved in the skin cells, and mm. it can make them more uh, photosensitive. Uh, so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, phenomenon. Um, and then the other thing about you know when. And I've seen this with a lot of regular mainstream doctors. They'll, they'll say, well, you can't really check for Epstein-Barr virus because everybody's, you know, if the, if the antibodies are positive, it just means that you've been exposed to it. Well, that's true. But if you actually do uh, specific testing for Epstein-Barr virus, so there's a, a panel that we do which checks for antibodies to the nuclear antigen and uh, the um, a cytoplasmic uh, antigen and then also the early antigen. And then I'll also throw in the uh, Epstein-Barr virus by PCR. So PCR is checking for the DNA of the virus.
0: So you're actually seeing if there's live virus around circulating in your blood, not just exactly. your immune response. Exactly,
1: so what, typically um, in the, the panel that we that we use, um, if you have the uh, three out of four uh, antibodies that are positive, especially with the early antigen and or with the PCR of the Epstein-Barr virus, you know proof positive that the, Ep- the Epstein-Barr virus is-, is reactive. Uh, reactive, Exactly, reactive. Uh, and that's where then you, then you then say then you have to ask yourself well what do I do to you know calm down that uh, that particular uh, virus mm. um, so it's it's it, there's a lot of things that you have to look at it's- yeah
0: I mean that's true functional medicine really has a different perspective and that's why we we see so many patients here at the ultra wellness center who've tried so many things and then they get better because we look at all the factors so when I think of an autoimmune patient or just any disease in general there are really only five main triggers it's a toxin so I've had patients with lupus who have autoimmune disease triggered by heavy metals, for example. Could be mercury, an infection like lupus, or yep. it could be the microbiome changes. Yes, it could um, be an yeah. allergen, something they're eating like gluten, yep. and it could be poor diet, which is inflammatory and has you know, for example, a lot of the emulsifiers in our food like carrageenan and all these gums. Yes, they're, they cause leaky gut, driving inflammation, and it also can be stress, like you said, and often it's many of those things together. Exactly, yeah. So for her, it was a a a few of those things. For her, it was stress and the virus, and also um, her gut was a mess, too.
1: Yes, her gut was a mess, yeah. So the other thing that uh, that she noticed is that if she ate foods that were high in lectins, things like the nightshade family, that her symptoms actually uh, got worse. And there's interesting, some of the work by Peter Dadamo, who was the author of The Blood Type Diet, he's the guru of lectins. And what we find is that in certain individuals, when you have high lectins in your diet, uh, and these are um, uh, compounds that are found in plants, which actually act as a defense mechanism for the plant so that uh, uh, animals are, and insects are less likely to eat them. Electins, so uh, there's a uh, in the medical literature uh, a case study of a hospital that thought they would have a healthy eating day so they served everybody red kidney beans in a in some type of a casserole or a soup and then everybody got sick from it because it was very high in lectins and it actually caused transient leaky gut they had an immune yeah. response to the lectins in the plants mm-hmm. and i've had a number of patients says not everybody will have that response yeah. to lectins i mean
0: there's a lot of uh, uh promotion out there of lectin-free diets as the cure for everything. I or low lectins, th- low lectins. Yeah. It's impossible a, to get... A low some, lectin diet. And I think I think it can be helpful for some specific patients. It, exactly. I think I think the, the thing is that everybody finds the latest fad and think it's the cure for everything. Exactly. It's really not. And when you're in functional medicine, you get humbled by understanding how complex things are. Absolutely. How everybody's really different. How, yeah. How... You know, one person may tolerate gluten, another person may not. One person may be fine with lectins, another person may not. But yep. if you, if you have an autoimmune or inflammatory condition, it's something worth trying.
1: Absolutely. It's, it is. And I'll, I'll, I'll interject here because this is an interesting finding. I stumbled upon this. And again, this was actually by uh, Peter D'Adamo who uh, uh, got me down this, uh, this rabbit hole. Because I, I, I just recently had a patient who had five autoimmune conditions, including lupus, and um, I checked uh, for a, uh, a lab test called mannose binding lectin. Have you ever yeah. checked for it? Actually no, but I know about it. <laughs> right, right. It's, one, it's one of those things. And he's the one who got me to uh, understand this. So mannose binding lectin is, a, is, a, is a, uh, a compound that our body makes to bind mannose. And a lot of- It's uh, a sugar. It's, sugar. it's a sugar, mannose is a sugar. And uh, what you find out is that uh, people who have mannose binding lectin deficiency are at higher risk for lupus. Mm. And hers was
0: undetected. Yeah. And I think the other thing I want to just point out is that, you know, you're talking about this patient with lupus and she had gluten, she had gut issues, she had stress, she had this virus, she had lectin sensitivity, but that was her. You take 10 other patients with lupus. They're all different. They're all different. Hi, podcast listeners. It's Dr. Hyman. I want to take a pause from today's episode to talk about something pretty important, air. If you're listening to my podcast, it's likely that you have a peaked interest in nutrition and health. You might be eating healthy and exercising and meditating, but one area that a lot of us tend to neglect is something we literally cannot live without. I'm talking about air, specifically clean air. Here are five reasons why I think you need to consider an air filter today. Studies show that our indoor air is up to five times and sometimes In other places, up to 100 times more polluted with toxins than outdoor air. Do you know that many household items are covered in toxic chemicals? New carpet, furniture, paint, perfumes, cookware, mattresses, even many baby items are doused in the chemical flame retardants that we use, preservatives, phthalates, chemicals that are slowly released and off-gassing into the air that remain trapped in your home. Indoor air pollution can contribute to short-term health effects, things like sneezing, wheezing, itchy throat, nose, skin, or eyes irritation, nasal congestion, runny nose. Could this be your air if these are only happening at home? Air pollution also contributes to chronic diseases. Long-term risks can include respiratory diseases, heart disease, asthma, cancer, and worsening of other conditions. Contaminated air can also contribute to sleep apnea and other sleep issues. And poor sleep is associated with irritability, anxiety, depression, brain fog, fatigue, weight gain, hormone and blood sugar issues, and a whole slew of other conditions. And air filters can remove lots of these toxins and pollutants. However, not all air filters are created equal. The Air Doctor is the only air filter I trust and use, and it's affordable. It removes 99.99% of particles and the vast majority of toxic compounds in the air, including volatile organic chemicals and gases from your indoor air. It features an ultra HEPA filter, which is 100 times more effective than ordinary HEPA filters and is 100% sealed, which ensures all the air you breathe is pure and filtered. Now, I'm offering an exclusive special deal to my listeners. Right now, if you go to drhyman.com forward slash filter, that's drhyman.com, forward slash filter, you can access the Air Doctor Filter for $329. That's $300 off the normal price. So head over to drhyman.com forward slash filter to access this deal today and stay safe out there. The problem with traditional thinking is that everybody with lupus gets the same treatment. Once you make the diagnosis, you stop thinking. And in functional medicine, when you have the diagnosis, that's when you start thinking. (laughs) It's just the first step on solving the problem. It's like, okay, this is what your picture looks like. Okay, what are the potential factors that we need to think about to get to the root cause? And exactly. then we have to treat the cause, not the symptom. Yes, And exactly. that's the beauty of functional. So for her, how did you treat the causes of her lupus and what happened?
1: Well, for her, it was really uh, focusing on, uh, she already actually was doing very well. I actually tested her, even though she was, uh, she said that she was eating a clean diet, I made sure. So she said she was avoiding gluten, avoiding dairy, avoiding lectins. And her testing was negative for any reactions to gluten. So I said, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. It was negative for leaky gut. You're doing a great job. Let's, let's uh, do that. Uh, but what I did do, and she had never had done, is she did tell me that she had a bad case of mono when she was a teenager. And my, my theory with, with her is that she probably, when she went, went under this very stressful time period, that the Epstein-Barr virus reactivated for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And hers was, she had a positive PCR, so the DNA of the virus was floating around in her blood. And also, she had positive antibodies. Three out of four of her antibodies were positive. That was, to me, a smoking gun that that her Epstein-Barr virus was really driving her uh, her lupus uh, symptoms. So initially, what I did is I treated her with uh, some uh, medicinal mushrooms, uh, things like turkey tail. Um, I used also lysine, which is an amino acid which can help. And I combined that also with some monolaurin.
0: Yeah, lysine is often something people take to prevent Herpes. herpes outbreaks on their lip it works, and it works, and it works, it works incredibly well, well it works quite well because exactly. it inact- helps inactivate the virus and yeah. other foods that contain arginine like nuts which are good for you but in this case they act- have high arginine levels that actually can activate yeah. the herpes virus yes yeah, that's an interesting uh, observation but um, that
1: was so that was you know, one of the ways in which i initially uh, treated her and um she did get some improvement with that Um, And then another thing which I uh, added to her uh, regimen is low-dose naltrexone. And I'm sure you use that yourself, and I've been really amazed at is naltrexone? So so naltrexone, this is an interesting thing. So naltrexone is an opiate blocker. And uh, I'm not sure how they actually stumbled upon this, but um, if somebody takes too much uh, opiates and they overdose, you can give naltrexone to block the effect of the opiate. Yeah, when someone has an
0: overdose, of heroin or, or narcotic, they give him Narcan, which is naltrexone, and that stops him from dying. Exactly, and <clears throat> it's theorized that when
1: you give naltrexone at very low doses, what you do is you block the body's own opioid receptors, and the body senses that, and it starts producing more natural feel-good molecules, mm-hmm. endorphins, these, mm. are, these are our own <clears throat> body's pharmacy for uh, uh, the uh, pain, pain molecules, which in turn modulates the immune system, mm. so when you upregulate opioids, you're actually modulating the immune system. And I've been, I used to use it primarily in patients with ulcerative colitis and multiple sclerosis, but now I'm using it in a lot more patients. And I find that it works really quite well in a whole host of autoimmune conditions. So I used it in her.
0: And it's very low- Toxic
1: It's probably effects. the safest thing. It's, yeah, in, very safe in, to use. Is, I, yeah, you can have a couple of side effects in a few people, but it's probably one of the safest medications that I prescribe. Absolutely. very, very It has to be compounded,
0: um, and you slowly work your way up on it. What I, what I experience with it is that it, it can help, but unless you deal with the root cause, yeah. again, it's a symptom manager, so it can help mitigate the symptoms but it's not gonna address the underlying biology. Exactly,
1: you're you're actually true. It's not gonna reverse the condition, but it's one of those things where the risk benefit is so good that it's worth doing in a lot Mm. of patients. Uh, So I I actually add that uh, to her. Um, and then we went to the next level, which is that she, you know, we tried the, uh, the, the natural route, and then she got some benefit, but it wasn't really where she wanted to. So I said, well, let's go ahead and we'll give her an antiviral. So I actually gave her some Valtrex at high dose. Uh, I gave it to her, I think, three times a day. I think you probably have done that yourself. Yeah. Uh, high dose Valtrex for Epstein-Barr virus. Um, there is no simple one-size-fits-all treatment for Epstein-Barr virus. I've learned no. that. There really isn't um and she actually responded remarkably well to that uh yeah. within a, a couple of months she was like 80 percent better using the valtrex and i've had a few patients that that was very very uh, yeah
0: i think that's right i think you know what's interesting it, it, it the more you do this the more you realize you know what works with one person may not work with another person so another exactly. person i have epstein bar you give them valtrex may not do anything and i think i've had the same experience with so some patients you know, you give them a relatively benign antiviral yep. like Valtrex, and it works well. Others don't respond to that. Yep. <clears throat> I've had other patients use something called Valcite, yep. which is very expensive, has higher levels of toxicity, but it actually can be effective in yep. select patients. But I think there's other therapies that uh, she used which are also important to mention because you know, as I've gotten more experience in this, I'm, I'm more interested in how do I activate the body's own healing systems? How do I use therapies that... Are regenerative? How do I use therapies that are facilitating the body's own ability to fight things? And, and she, she ended up using one of these therapies, so can you talk about that? Sure, yeah. Well, before I actually talk about
1: that, um, the other thing that also I've used in patients is intravenous uh, vitamin C,
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: actually in the medical literature. Yeah. High B vitamin C at a uh, fairly high doses about 25 to 50 grams has been shown to be very effective also for Epstein-Barr virus, so yeah. that's another thing. In her But well, by case, the way, how does that work? How does that work? It, yeah. I, well, uh,
0: at high levels, uh, it actually works as a prooxidant. Mm. Uh, so we think the- of vitamin C is an antioxidant, but actually it's working as a pro-oxidant. pro-oxidant. Right, so which, why- get, which goes into the next therapy, which is the therapy that. And she- how does it do that? You. you- do you want to explain how it um,
1: Well, the, it's a yin and a yang because there's, there's um, uh, re- reduction, which is the adding of electrons, and oxidation, which is the removing of electrons. And it has to do with a coupling, coupling of the uh, oxidative forces versus the reductive forces. So but it's it, a little bit like a magnetic
0: pull. And at high doses, vitamin C increases the release of hydrogen peroxide yeah. from the white blood cells. So people don't understand this, but how does our white blood cell... Kill bugs. We bleach it, them. We bleach it, them. It produces bleach, hydrogen peroxide, and ozone, which are all oxidants. Yes. Right? So that's exactly how our bodies kill things. And it sometimes can't do the job. And using these other therapies, like high dose vitamin C, can help actually increase the body's ability to kill infections. Exactly. And they're, they've actually studied it in ICUs, they're using it at COVID 19. Yeah, you bring up a really
1: interesting point, which is that you know these, we actually there's a term in medicine called redox signaling molecules, and when you have uh, these redox signaling molecules, which of ozone will be one, it actually upregulates your body's own uh, reparative uh, forces. So talk um, about what she did with with ozone. Yeah, ozone was a game changer for her. She ended up uh, using ozone, and she said it was it was like a game changer for her, which is really interesting because it was the first time I had a patient who had lupus um, who uh, responded to Ozone uh, in that way and was really quite quite amazing. It was. It was. It, so how did she get the ozone? She got it. She um she got it. Um uh, actually she got it. Uh, she it was administered by a local uh physician who she was seeing because she was seeing me in consultation and she actually got it rectally
0: and uh, intravaginally. Hmm. So not uh, even intravenously. She didn't even get it intravenously. Yeah. yeah, and she had that response. It was really quite. You Ill. can give it intravenously. You can give it in the muscle. You can give it rectally, vaginally. Yeah, and it gets absorbed, and it can be very, very effective. In rectal and vaginal treatments you can do at home, and you don't even need a doctor to order it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, it's basically it's oxygen on steroids. That's yeah. really what it is. It's yeah, it's high dose
0: oxygen and with a little bit of ozone.
1: Right. So if you ever go out after a thunderstorm and you get that that that, that nice clean smell afterwards, that's ozone in the air. Yeah. That's, that's the lightning producing ozone. Yes. It's, it's,
0: it's an as it's a it's a, uh, it's a special uh, species of uh, reactive species of oxygen. And it's one of those oxidative therapies, just like vitamin C that. It gives you a little bit of a stress, but it also activates your body's own anti inflammatory mechanisms, antioxidant mechanisms. Absolutely. Yeah. It can be antiviral and kill bugs, which is powerful. So I think it sounds like a wacky therapy, but it's something we do here at the Ultra Wellness Center. Yeah. I mean, it's something that is, uh, I know we were talking about earlier that when we both heard (laughs) patients talking about this, and I often heard this, you know, Dr. Hyman. I tried everything and I did ozone therapy and it was the thing that made me better. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I you know, had a little footnote in my head, but I was like, mm, that's a little weird. I don't know about that. And uh, when I got sick with uh, mold toxicity and autoimmune and colitis, it was the thing that actually flipped my body into a healing response exactly. and it, it doesn't treat any disease. It just activates your body's own healing mechanisms. Yeah. And that's what's very, so, powerfully. Very, very powerfully. Very powerfully and very quickly. I mean, I, I had uh, you know autoimmune disease, brain fog, and within a few days, it, was, it wasn't like a, it took weeks. It was in a few days I, I really turned around dramatically. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. The other thing
1: which I'll, I'll mention uh, as it relates to lupus in women, and I've, I've found this, and actually, again, I, whenever I, I see something that's uh, sort of out-of-the-box thinking, I'll, I'll go into the medical literature to see if it's substantiated. And what I found is a pattern in patients uh, who have lupus um, is their estrogen detoxification pathway. And when we check estrogen levels and hormone levels in patients, we don't just check your estrogen and maybe your progesterone, we check all of the hormones, and then we also check the metabolites of the hormones. Mm-hmm. And I' found this pattern in not all pa- lupus patients, but some lupus patients, is they have an increased uh, pathway for metabolism to the what's called the four-hydroxy uh, estrogen. And 4-hydroxyestrogen is not—you're not going to go to your regular doctor. Your OBGYN. They won't check that. They're no. not going to check it's that. Co-
0: it comes out in the urine.
1: It comes out in the urine exactly. It comes out in the urine. And I learned about this through uh, Jeffrey Bland. And it's uh, one of the things we test here at the Ultra Wellness. Exactly. And, and Jeffrey Bland—he uh, basically called this, you know, like the the, uh, the dancing Shiva. And uh, in some individuals, because you know, women's hormones go up and down, and they have to be t- detoxified throughout the uh, monthly cycle. And you oftentimes will see patients who have lupus, they'll flare with their cycles. And when you measure their 4-hydroxyestrogen, they're very high. And the 4 estrogen is what's called a quinone adduct. So it damages DNA. And when you have a high levels of this over time, it actually increases your risk for, for breast cancer. So this is why you think women might have a higher risk of lupus. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've got, I've got, actually I have, I have a literature paper that cites this and I've been doing it in my own little cohorts of patients and I oftentimes check it. And then a lot of patients they have that. And then the other thing that's So wait, wait, wait,
0: before you go, I just want to unpack that because that was very powerful what you just said. What you said is that is that there are some women who have trouble metabolizing estrogen and it goes down a pathway that produces a toxic estrogen that damages DNA, which is what we see in lupus. And that by fixing that, and we know how to fix that with functional medicine using food and various nutrients and herbs that actually help upregulate or fix those pathways. Yep. These patients can get better.
1: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And and the other thing that So, it, so by the
0: way, most traditional doctors would not be looking at your hormones if you have lupus.
1: <laughs> right. And then the other thing that we then then do is we then look at the genetics. So we look at um your genetic pathways. So there's a specific polymorphism called the 1B1 pathway. Mm-hmm. And when that has a variation you are more prone towards producing the, the 4-hydroxyestrogen. So typically, you start, you know... And how up. would you fix that? Well, what you do, and interestingly, the, the, that, the particular uh, uh, SNP that's involved in uh, that, that, that particular pathway... Uh, get, that gets actually upregulated by polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. Basically, if you eat a lot of charcoal boiled food and barbecue, you're gonna be upregulating that pathway. So, so a patient who's got lupus, they don't you don't want them eating. Whether you're
0: grilling your vegetables or grilling your steak, it's exactly it's cause the, it's,
1: the same problem. Exactly. It's the ash. It's that it's that the, those those complex blackened stuff. blackened stuff, exactly. That upregulates that enzyme. The other thing which you can do is by adding through your diet cruciferous vegetables, um, supplements like DIM. Helps to shift that pathway in a different direction. Yeah. So it's very it's very very powerful stuff. And when you start you know doing the testing and start looking at it from all different angles, you can really move the needle. And I had and I'll never forget this one patient where I first uh, learned about this. Uh, the patient basically told me in her history that everything started after she got mono as a teenager, mm-hmm. and her life changed after that. And she was never able to clear it. And uh, when I checked her uh, her uh, estrogen and estrogen detox pathway, she had the highest uh, 4-hydroxy I've ever seen. She was very, very sick. And mm-hmm. that's where I sort of understood, okay, yeah. this may be playing a role with the sex differentiation yeah. between men and women and lupus, because it's, it's, it's like nine times more prevalent in women.
0: Yeah. So this is such a great example in a case of someone who has an autoimmune disease, which is so common, that you acted like a medical detective and you found all the various things that were going on with her. She had sort of this chronic Epstein-Barr infection that was reactivated by stress. Mm-hmm. She had gut disturbances. She had lectin intolerance. Yep. She had gluten sensitivity. Uh, she had uh, this hormonal dysfunction with abnormal estrogen metabolism. Yep. And these are the kinds of things that, that we do here at sort to help us navigate to how to treat each person as an individual. This is really personalized medicine, personalized nutrition, and, it, and it's very sophisticated it's very effective and it's something that uh helps relieve suffering for so many people when they get stuck and i I feel like this is where we're going in medicine it's where the science is going functional medicine is just uh an approach that helps us apply the science of systems medicine and network medicine today rather than waiting 10 20 30 years We actually know how, and we're learning every day. I mean, when I think about how little we knew about the microbiome when we started this 25 years ago and how much we know now, we we were literally groping in the dark, but we, we had the basic idea and we were able to apply these principles and get people better. Even if we didn't quite understand what was happening. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was quite amazing. So, I mean, I think it's important (laughs) people understand that this is one case of lupus and this was her issue, but. These are common themes, and for somebody else with lupus, it might be something else. And this exactly. is really the beauty of functional medicine—is why, you know, we have such great success here. We have providers, a collection of doctors and staff here who've been working on this for sixty years, over collectively treating these complex patients from all over the world. We're now doing virtual consultations, given COVID nineteen, we've switched over because now we have the ability to do that. And uh, I just encourage anybody who's struggling to think about getting help, and uh, they're welcome to come see us at the Ultra Wellness Center. They go to ultra com, and we're here to help you and navigate through some of these complex issues and figure out what it is that is your issue that needs to get treated. And yeah. I think that's so, so encouraging to me because I, I love doing this because I remember working in, as a traditional doctor and. You know, I was good at prescribing pills and matching the pill to the ill, and people would you know manage manage their symptoms. But I got sick of managing, and I wanted to fix things. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's the beauty of functional medicine that we help relieve needless suffering for millions of people uh, all over the world from practitioners in every country. And and this is the future where it's going. We're just a little ahead of the game. Uh, yeah. So I encourage people to mm-hmm. uh, not lose hope and uh, to seek out answers and to learn more about functional medicine. Uh, and. Uh, I encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and family on social media. If you liked it, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. And subscribe wherever you at your podcast And we'll see you next time on The Doctor's Pharmacy. All right. Thanks, Mark. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Hyman. Thanks for tuning into The Doctor's Pharmacy. I hope you're loving this podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do and introducing you all the experts that I know and I love and that I've learned so much from. And I want to tell you about something else I'm doing, which is called Mark's Picks. It's my weekly newsletter and in it I share my favorite stuff from foods to supplements to gadgets to tools to enhance your health. It's all the cool stuff that I use and that my team uses to optimize and enhance our health. And I'd love you to sign up for the weekly newsletter. I'll only send it to you once a week on Fridays. Nothing else, I promise. And all you have to do is go to drhyman.com forward slash picks to sign up. That's drhyman.com forward slash picks, P-I-C-K-S, and sign up for the newsletter. And I'll share with you my favorite stuff that I use to enhance my health and get healthier and better and live younger, longer. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner.